This is the Retirement Plan Playbook. I am Brent Pasqua, and I'm here with Matthew Thiel and Joshua Wonderswipe. We're podcasting quarantine style from our homes today. Josh and I are podcasting from our homes in Ranch Cucamonga, and Matthew is in Los Angeles. And this is episode 22. And today we're going to talk about the CARE Act and how the CARE Act affects individuals. And for anyone who doesn't know, the CARES Act stands for the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. It is a relief package they created for individuals to really help them get through this difficult time financially that many people are going through. I guess really the first question I have, Josh, for this CARES Act is who is actually going to be receiving this money? That's a great question. I think that's the most popular question I've been getting too is who's getting the the cash payments. Really 90% of taxpayers will be receiving a one-time cash payment. And depending on if your uh, tax return you filed individual, uh, that one-time cash payment could be as high as $1,200. And if you're married filing jointly, um, it could be as high as 20 or it will be $2,400. And then also, there's also some other provisions in there that if you have children under, under the age of 17, um, you'll get an additional $500 per child. Um, and this is in the form of a, a tax rebate, but it's essentially free money um, if you qualify. Yeah, who doesn't love free money? Uh, one frequently asked question that I've got a lot is if you're just on Social Security, if you get a check... And from my understanding, from everything I've read, that's a, that's a yes. Is that what you guys have heard as well? Yeah, yes. I, I've heard that too. Um, you're still going to get a check. And it doesn't even matter if you filed a, a tax return for the seniors or retirees. Um, you still potentially are going to get a check as well. What does it mean that it comes in a form of a rebate? Well, really, the public can look at it if you do qualify. You're just going to get that actual cash payment into your, your bank account. Um, but let me give an, like a, a real life example. Let's say that you don't qualify because there is some income limitations, um, but you do lose your job this year and your income's going to allow you to qualify at the end of the year. Um, then that amount will be rebated to you in the form of a tax credit at the end of the year. So you will still receive the benefit of this stimulus. Um, so that's the way they're structuring that cash payment is in the form of a, a tax credit. It's disappointing they did it this way. They should have just sent money to everybody. Um, that would solve that issue you're talking about, Josh. Yeah, I think that it is a, an issue because, uh, as we've already talked about, someone who doesn't qualify you know, because their income was too high in 2018 or 2019 that's reported and then lost their job, they can make the argument that they needed the money more you know, now than ever or more than someone who actually received it. So um, I think it can be looked at as unfair for those people who don't qualify right now, but potentially will at the end of the year. It doesn't to me seem like a lot of money uh, that people are getting paid, especially if they lose their job and people have bills to pay and they have expenses. And um, is there a plan to have more money for individuals at this point, or is this basically it? I haven't seen any plans floated to get more money to individuals. There's been a lot of plans floated um, to get more money in the small business owner side. Uh, remember, if you are un- unemployed, you still are getting unemployment, and that's been expanded as well, which we'll talk about later in the show. So really, the idea with giving people essentially free money like this is they want to get it in your pocket and get you spending. Uh, maybe you'll buy a new MacBook. Maybe you'll buy some AirPods. Whatever it is, they want you stimulating the economy. 
So who is not going to get this money? Yeah, so it's actually unfortunately phased out based on income. So if you are what we call married filing jointly, so you're married and you file with your spouse, if your AGI is under 150000 then you get, get a rebate. If it's over, you actually get phased out. If you're a head of a household, it's 112500 And if you're a single filer, it's 75000 And that's your adjusted gross income. And if you haven't filed your 2019 return, it's based on your 2018 return. Um, again, very disappointing they did it this way with the phase outs. Josh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but let's use married filing jointly as the example. Do you, do you remember? Is it, isn't it like 199.93 or something like that that people get phased out at where they end up getting it absolutely nothing? Yeah, yeah. And there's some good calculators. I think you're right about that amount. Um, and there's some calculators that you can put in your AGI and it'll tell you how much you'll actually uh, be receiving. I think it's the, the discount on the adjusted gross income over the restriction or the phase out level is $5 for every $100 that you go over. Um, but again, just Google search stimulus paycheck calculator and put in your AGI and you'll be able to pump out you know, your number if you are questioning whether your income level is, is under the phase out or not. So what happens if somebody in 2018 was below these income levels and they get the stimulus, but this year they make, you know, over these levels, are they going to have to pay it back in any capacity? So to give you no, to answer your question, no. And a strategy that, you know, we've been reading about is if your income was lower or below that phase out threshold in 2018, and you expect your 2019 to be over the threshold, it might be beneficial for you to utilize that extended tax deadline and not file your 2019 taxes until you get your check. Um, because that 2019, when you file it, they're not going to take away your stimulus check if you already received it. So the thing that I keep wondering is if it's going based on a lot of people's 2018 tax returns, because most people haven't filed their 2019 returns with the extension, and people in 2018 had really good years. You know, husband and wife are working, they've had joint income, they were over these thresholds, and then by March of this year, they lost their job, they're hurting for money. What about those people? It might be a part of that 10% we were talking about, unfortunately. That's what a lot of it is. It, the one thing, though, I will say is when you do look at the unemployment numbers, it does seem like a lot of people who are losing their jobs today are uh, in the service-based industries. Maybe they're a waitress or a waiter, a busboy, a cook, a retail worker, and those are on the, the lower side of the pay scale. So all those people should be receiving this check in addition to their unemployment. That provides a lot of clarity. So what changes regarding the emergency distributions from a retirement accounts were part of this CARES Act, Josh? Um, so a couple of big changes with this disaster or crisis that the CARES Act actually taught or implemented was you could take out from your retirement accounts without the penalty. So it's really big because there's a 10% penalty if you take out from your retirement accounts if you're not 59 and a half or older. And this amount is up to $100,000 um, that you can take out from your retirement accounts to help supplement, obviously, this hardship that we're going through. Um, you must have a reason, though, to take it out. Um, and to avoid that penalty, it must be diagnosed with COVID-19 or your spouse be diagnosed with COVID-19. Also, if you were furloughed, laid off, reduced hours, you were a business owner and you've had reduced hours. So the actual um, 
reasons are pretty broad. Um, so, you know, if you were affected in any sort of way and needed to take out money from, from those retirement accounts without that penalty, most likely, you know, if you were affected and, and seeing a loss of income, you'd qualify. Um, again, the amount is still taxable if you take it out and it could be eligible to re be repaid back into the accounts up to three years. It's kind of like a, you know, 60 day rollover rule, but it's a three-year rollover rule. If you take it out, you have three years to actually pay that money back into the retirement account. And at that point, you would recover the amount of taxes that you've paid into it? Correct. Because on that distribution, you are going to pay taxes on that distribution in the year that you do take it out. I, I'm not sure if I like this um, that much. I mean, it, it's nice for people who, who are hurting, but I, I think that if you have been impacted by COVID-19 um, or, or you did lose your job in some way, you know, try and avoid this one as much as possible. I think there's probably better options to get money. But like you said, Josh, I mean, this is still a taxable distribution. And in a way, you're stealing from your future to help, help yourself now when there are hopefully going to be other measures to help people who are, are significantly hurting financially right now. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that, you know, this is a, you know, tread lightly when you're when you're looking at taking out the from your retirement accounts, not only the tax implications, but then you're also taking from the accounts that are invested and the market's down. So, you know, you really have to be careful when you're looking at taking out from retirement accounts and sacrificing that future. Now, again, you know, there are going to be people out there that absolutely have to, and, and we understand that. But again, just make sure we you do the right research and, and making sure that you taking it out is going to actually help your situation and benefit you because there are a lot of consequences to doing so. Yeah, like if you're hurting financially, this is probably your last move. I mean, let's say you have a mortgage and you're planning on using this distribution to pay your mortgage, call the mortgage company. Yep. Tell them you're not going to be able to make payments for three months until your job starts back up. Try and negotiate that way instead of, you know, taking the quick, easy route, which is stealing from your future. I agree. So in this CARES Act, what changes or adjustments were made to employer plans? Yeah, so I, I actually, we, we were kind of knocking the last one, obviously, but I like, I like the employer plans changes a lot more. Um, they increased the maximum loan you could take from 50000 to 100000 And the nice thing about a loan in a 401k is you're borrowing your own money. So you can repay it over time with your contributions or when you go to retire, you just get that much less from a distribution. They also changed it so 100% of your invested balance may be used. Um, I believe previously, Josh, wasn't there a uh, like a calculation you had to do to see yeah, it was how only, eligible? It was 50,000 and then 50% of your vested balance. Yeah. So yeah, so, there was it was a two-part calculation of how much you could actually loan from the 401k. And then uh, payments on the loan are, are delayed a year. So another nice feature there. A great solution if you're looking to take money out you know, for the short term, instead yeah. of actually taking that distribution, like we talked about in that, in that last uh, change. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like this one. It's better than the IRA one. Again, last, last resort type, type deal though, right? I agree. Yeah. I know that there's another big change in this act. Um, what happened to the required minimum distributions? I think this is impacting a lot of people who are retired or who had inherited IRA money. Tell us a little bit about this, Josh. 
Yeah, so RMDs, when you um, – a lot of changes with RMDs, it seems like, over the last year. Uh, but the RMD is your required home distribution that the IRS mandates you to take out from those retirement accounts. And for 2020, they're actually waiving or suspending the RMD. So if you haven't already taken out your RMD for 2020 or your required minimum distribution, uh, you will not be forced to in this year. And what this will do is just help keep money in your retirement account, not having to force a sale and a distribution and paying taxes on that account now that that account most likely has, has declined. Um, so also first timers, so if you haven't taken your RMD yet and you were waiting till 2020 to take that RMD from 2019, that's also suspended for those. So those people who fit into that gap, they're actually missing two RMDs, which is actually you know pretty nice uh, feature for them. With this change too, this does include um, stretch IRAs or inherited IRA RMDs. Um, you get to suspend or waive this year's RMD if you haven't taken it already. Um, and then that's also for the five-year rule. So if you're you know, on a five-year distribution schedule for the retirement RMD payout, this year will be ignored. So you'll have that extended to a six-year distribution payout. This is a great rule. I absolutely love this. Uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, I was pretty young in the industry in 2008, but Brent, you're a seasoned vet. So I know you, you went through 08 and uh, I know RMDs were hurting a lot of people because they were forced to take money out at, at low market prices. Um, so this is incredible. I'm glad they learned their lesson from then. Nothing else other to say than what a, what a great rule. Yeah, I think really why this helps is because... For for those who don't know, I mean, right now would be a bad time to sell shares of stocks if you had to in your IRA to get your required minimum distribution out because on December 31st, your required minimum distribution is calculated. And when they calculated last year at the end of the year, the distribution amounts that a person would have to take out this year, the market was so high that these distribution amounts that people are having to take out are high. And to get that amount of money out of your IRA would force you to sell a lot of stock. And a lot of people at this point just want to hold all of their shares that they own, whether it's in stocks and bonds and so forth, in order to allow the market to recover and come back up. So I think it is a very favorable rule for people and it's very helpful. Some people, it may not impact that much, but it is a long-term benefit. I mean, if you inherited an IRA, this is great. Just let the money continue to defer for another year and you don't have to take it out. So I think like you said, Matthew, they did learn from 2008. And this is an, an, a, a thing that I think they picked up on from the last big decline. And I think this is very helpful for those. What happens if you lost your job, Matt? Um, so if you lost your job, the first thing that, that's going to happen is they expanded uh, unemployment insurance. So they, they made it longer. They made the check size bigger and they expanded the eligibility. So massive win there. You will get, um, this is kind of cool, and I believe, Josh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the pandemic unemployment insurance, that's for 1099 workers, people who normally wouldn't qualify for unemployment are now qualified. Um, so that's huge, right? Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, you know, TaskRabbit's kind of that new 1099 economy is covered under this because a lot of those people are hurting right now. I think uh, that's the good good one. I, I was just going to confirm that. Yes, that's correct. And and just a great provision that was, was added. And then also they cut the waiting period. Um, so previously, there, there's a waiting period for unemployment. And the reason they did it this way is so people would be incentivized to go find a job fast if they were laid off. 
but they cut that that payment down. And when you're unemployed, when you apply, you'll get a check that week or a backdated check, uh, which is also really, really nice. Like I said, it's going to be bigger. It's been bumped up by $600 a week. And we added four extra months of uh, benefits. So really, really nice for people who, who are hurting. I'm sure this will get expanded more. It did in 2008. And I, I believe that it was, what, almost two years of unemployment you got in 2008. I, I expect to see something like that again this time. So basically, if people are out of their job, they're going to be able to obviously get unemployment and they're going to get the extra stimulus. And the hope is that this will carry them long enough for the economy to get back working, jobs to get back, and then people to start making regular money again. This will allow them to continue to pay their bills. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The other question I think that a lot of people have is what about all the student loans that are out there that are very difficult to pay right now? Yeah, another part of the CARES Act is that federal student loan payments are deferred, so there'll be no required payments um, until September 30th, 2020. Um, And also, there's going to be no interest accrual during the interim. So you're not going to actually see interest accruing through that period of deferment. Um, So just another benefit uh, from the CARES Act for people who do have federal student loans that don't have the means to pay them in the short term, you can, again, defer those payments and not require to make a payment until September um, on there. One thing that I thought was important inside of there, too, is that it's still the time frame will still count towards the loan forgiveness programs. So if you are enrolled in a loan forgiveness program, uh, those deferment or that time from now until September will still count towards that program, which is, which is a pretty you know, good benefit to that change. Um, any required payments are, are suspended, but voluntary payments can still be made. So if you still say, you know, your goal is to pay down student loans and, and I do have the means to pay them, you can still pay them. They're still allowing you to do voluntary payments. Yeah, one thing on the loan forgiveness I was reading, I don't know if you read it this way too, Josh, was actually if you are in a loan forgiveness program, your best play is to actually call and get payments stopped right now. Call your federal loan service provider get the payment stopped because in a way you don't have to technically pay for these, what is this three or four months? Mm -hmm. And you're still going to get the forgiveness in your loan program. But this is a, this is a nice one for people who uh, again are are suffering right now. Biggest uh, kind of misunderstanding I hear right now is people saying, Oh, the federal government is forgiving people with student loans. That's not what happened here at all. It's just a couple months where you're not making a payment. And not being charged interest, but yeah, no, no forgiveness in there. Finally, I believe there were some changes also to charitable contributions. What were some of those changes, Matt? So they, they made, a, again, a few changes here. Uh, this is going to be some tax lingo, but they added above the line charitable contributions. But unfortunately, though, here, the limit's only $300. I'm really not sure why they did it this way. Josh, maybe you have something to add. It also must be made in cash and has to go to a 501c3 organization. Uh, so you can't use some of those fun backdoor charities that a lot of people do. 501c3 is essentially what I would call a real charity. It, one nice thing is it is available for people who don't itemize. I was kind of confused with this one. I wasn't really sure what they were trying to accomplish. I don't know, Josh, if you have any different feelings. No, it's not very much of a like a big benefit because I mean $300 for someone in a 12% tax bracket is only a savings of really you know dollars and, and so 
you know, for someone that's in a very, very high tax bracket, even, you know, a 35% tax bracket at $300, the most they'd be saving is about $111. So there's not too much of a benefit. I think the only one thing that I read in there that was, you know, kind of nice was that they didn't really have an end date to that provision. So potentially it stays on that tax return going forward for future years. So, you know, a little savings every year going forward is going to be nice, but I just didn't see a lot a lot there. There wasn't a lot of meat to that that provision. I wonder if they forgot a zero. <laughs> yeah. And there's a typo and then it's oh no, it's three hundred. but we really meant three thousand or something like that, but who knows? Right, right. Yeah, that, that one's kinda did didn't catch my eye, you know, as big as the other ones did. Well, thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. Uh, I'm Brent Pasqua. I was here with Matthew Thiel and Joshua Winterswike. If you enjoyed our show and want more information, please go to the retirementplanplaybook.com for the show notes and for more detail. You can also leave us a review on our podcast. And if you are a business owner, uh, please tune in to the next episode. We are going to discuss the CARES Act and how it impacts business owners. Uh, But we thank you for listening and we wish you a very safe and healthy, great one. Talk to you soon. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.